0: Welcome to this week's sermon from C3Church, Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net Well, have a seat. And yeah, kids, you're doing such a great job being in big church for a few weeks um, and and of course parents I think there are the church sound and video is going off into the parents room if you need to go there and I think there's some kids that are colouring in in the cafe and I think it's still being beamed in on that screen as well Um, and thank you musos And uh, I'm so glad you guys don't take a break completely. But we do want to, um, you know, we share around, so we trust that people are being able to have some kind of summer break. Uh, Certainly the kids' uh, leaders and teachers and helpers are, and the cafe, although John says the cafe's back on next week. So that's exciting. Um, I heard some heretics saying, well, if coffee's on, I might come to church, you know, but... uh, Uh, I won't say who that was, Tim. Um, So uh, thank you, uh, Tim, being involved in running our services uh, on Sundays over the last couple of weeks. And Byron and Hudson preaching great messages on this summer fruit theme, very broad theme. Haven't even got onto that scripture that's there. I think Ruth's preaching on that in a couple of weeks from John 15 of uh, the whole subject of the fruit of the spirit which I'm going to talk about next week but we've been talking about fruitfulness how to live a fruitful life and as said Hudson and um, Byron have done a great job of that over the last couple of weeks um, and uh, of course summer fruit I like that picture because it's got I mean fr- summer is the best time for fruit uh, you know as good as a, an apple might be in the middle of winter but summer you know you've got the ripe mangoes and pineapples and passion fruits and we're more and more we're getting uh and cherries you know we're getting uh a lot more exotic uh, fruits from southeast asia working their way down being grown in australia fruits that you might not have got some time ago um in australia the mangosteen and rambutan and, and dragon fruit and some of these uh, crazy tasty exotic things and uh, and here's a question kids uh, and adults what is the deal about fruit that makes it different to vegetables? Perhaps we all know this. What's the key difference? What's the, yes, it's the seed. Thank you, kids or big kids, Christine. Thank you. top marks. Give her a star. You get a gold star on your forehead uh, when you leave. Yes, okay. Um, so, yes, um, fruit has seeds that reproduce the fruit themselves. And I want us to think about that Um today because the Bible talks a lot, there's a lot of agricultural talk in the Bible and particularly about seeds that we're going to look at because they're little things that make a big difference and that's a real principle in life isn't it, you often hear people say things like oh it's the little things that matter or um, or, "or be grateful for the little things because over time they'll become the big things and it's true, uh, you know manners and polite engagement with people and and loving relationships that build over time that might not seem to be a big deal but end up being a big deal and uh, little things really can make a big difference I came across an incredible example of this principle recently Um, you may have heard of Andre Agassi and Boris Becker these are two of the great tennis players uh, in the 80s and the 90s. At different times, they were both uh, number one tennis ranked in the world. Play, tennis players, um, and Andre Agassi was, uh, you may remember, known not just for his hair um, or lack of, eventually, but um, but for his return of serve. That was his um, big deal. He wasn't the biggest, uh, most powerful player, but he had an incredible return of serve. And in 1988, he was ranked number three in the world, uh, beating just about everyone he played. And then he encountered this young upstart called Boris Becker. Now, Boris Becker had this devastating uh, serve, most powerful first serve people had encountered. And uh, and so he uh, beat Agassi the first three times they played. Uh, and, uh, and then something happened. Agassi... On their fourth encounter his return seemed to have a handle on Boris Becker's serve he got the better of this powerful amazing serve and he won I looked it up he won convincingly 6-1-6-3 which if you're a tennis player you'll know that's a pretty good uh, score in fact Agassi beat Becker every time they played for the next five years eight matches straight and Becker only ever beat Agassi once more in all the times that they've met and their final head-to-head record was Agassi had 10 wins and Becker had four. The first three coming, those first three encounters, but something had changed. So what had changed? What, what, how did Agassi start to get the better of Becker's serve and turn the results around so dramatically? after their first three matches. Well, the answer is incredible. And it was only revealed years later in an interview that Andre Agassi did that I want you to see.
1: Boris Becker, for example, who beat me the first three times we we played because his serve was something the game had never seen before. Well, I watched yeah. tape after tape of him and and, and stood across the net from him three different times. And I started to realise he had this weird tick with his tongue. I'm not kidding. He would go into his his rocking motion, his, his, his same routine. And just as he was about to toss the ball, he would stick his tongue out and it would either be right in the middle of his lip or it would be to the left corner of his lip. So if he's serving in the deuce court and he put his tongue in the middle of his lip, he was either serving up the middle or to the body. But if he put it to the side, he was gonna serve out wide. The hardest part wasn't, wasn't returning a serve. The hardest part was not letting him know that I knew this. So I had to resist the temptation of reading his serve for the majority of the match and choose the moments when I was gonna use that information on a given point. I told him at uh, Oktoberfest, we went out in Oktoberfest in Germany and had a, had a pint of beer together and, and I couldn't help but say, by the way, did you, did you know you used to do this and give away you serve? He, uh, he about fell, fell off the chair and he says, I used to go home all the time and just tell my wife it's like he reads my mind
0: isn't that amazing I mean I'm a tennis player and follower and I never knew that and I remember Becker's rocking service motion and all that. and he noticed that and he's that was years later at in Germany at the Oktoberfest thing he said uh, and the full interview he said uh, yeah I used to go home to my wife it's like he reads my mind and then as he said but instead I was just reading his lips and uh, and he had just seen is not that incredible and what a huge difference it made now I know the connection to seeds is a little tenuous but I thought it was such a great story I wanted to share with you but the principle is there that something little can make a big difference okay we on that sort of track good so back to the Bible then Um, the Bible as I said has a lot to say about seeds and there's agricultural analogies all through let's look right from the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 God's creating the world and he said, let the land, verse 11, there it is, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. So this is part of our world, part of what God has created, plants with seeds. But it's not just plants as we'll see. And then God gave the first uh, commandment he ever gave. To Adam and Eve, and it says uh, a few verses later in chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 28, God blessed them. Don't you love that? God's out to bless you. He wants people to be blessed. That's his will. And he also said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So much as I love whales, there's something there people are more important than animals, okay? So just bear that in mind, that's from God, it's okay to be on the top of the food chain, don't feel guilty, right? Uh, But notice there, God's commandment, be fruitful. He wants people to be successful in the right way and Hudson and Byron touched on that about, you know, what success is and isn't and we're not talking about driven, all about me, climbing the corporate ladder, get out of my way kind of success but a a godly, a God-given success that bears fruit and and, and has the right conditions to grow and produce fruit and uh, and to increase. And then notice this. A few chapters later, again in the book of Genesis, we've got the post-flood era beginning. And God says to Noah, with this great promise, while the earth remains, in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. So you can see there, God has got some things set into this world—principles and laws at play. There's always going to be day and night until the end of the world. There's always going to be seasons like summer and winter. There's always going to be this principle of seed, time, and harvest. And as I said, we see this, of course, in the nature around us, in in the in the natural world that. Um, you know, we've got plants with, with seeds and fruit reproducing themselves, but it's also found in the human experience of life. A seed can be a thought, an idea, a dream, just a concept, just something that is little, that like a seed lands in your heart or in your mind and then it germinates and given the right conditions, it grows and becomes a tree so to speak and produces a harvest and is productive and so the question for you today I want you to consider is what's in my heart what has God planted in my heart or in my mind that needs to sprout and grow and produce fruit what what you know the beginning of the year ish you know we're still January it's 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 a great time to consider is God speaking to me about something, when you read the Word, when you pray and sit in God's presence, is He whispering something in your spirit from the Holy Spirit? Is He saying something or sowing something and planting a thought or a dream or rekindling a dream? Maybe a, a seed that's been buried but was never watered, and that has to germinate or sprout, or maybe something that had grown and that was cut down, or the weeds of the world and the worries and the cares of the world got the better of it. Maybe something needs to to grow again. And uh, and of course, this can be in so many different areas. It can be your career. It uh, could be a great dream of a an improvement in your in your career world. It might be in your ministry for God, your marriage, your family, your relationships, your finances, your health. It can be, you know, something that maybe you've just given up and you put up with that pain. And you've read the reports and people say, oh yeah, well that, you know I had that and it gets worse and that's what the way it's going to be. Well, maybe not. Maybe when you press into God's word, you get a seed thought. Oh, I, I see healing there. There's a promise that things could be different. There's a seed thought that God plants and your faith grows in that and you water that in God's presence and that takes root and grows and says, yeah, no, I get it now. I'm healed. I'm going to see my healing. That pain's going to go. I'm going to get over that condition. I don't have to live with that. The finances, you know, you Look at the property market, You're young, maybe a young couple, and you think, oh, we'll never get into the property, we'll never buy, we'll rent forever. Or well, maybe not. Maybe there's a seed thought, maybe there's a seed planting, maybe there's the beginning of savings, and you've got to start somewhere. And you go, no, we've got a dream, we're going to own a home, and you start saving, and you build up a deposit, and something's going to happen. And so it starts with a seed. And, uh, and this is one of God's principles for life. Look at what Jesus said, uh, Matthew 13. This is very exciting. Are you excited? I'm very excited about this. I've been praying, like Ruth said, we've been away for a couple of weeks and as much as it is nice just to run on the beach, you would do more than that. You, know, you press in and pray and God speaks to you and you're keen to come back to church and, and, uh, and, and share what you feel God's saying. And, uh, and here's Jesus talking about uh, the kingdom of heaven, about a dozen different uh, analogies he gives in the book of Matthew uh, and, or as Matthew recorded in his book And it says he tell them, tell them another parable The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed Well you all know mustard seed Because you buy full, what do you call, what's it called? Whole grain mustard You'll see the seeds They're tiny And he says A man uh, took and planted in the field And though it is the smallest of all seeds Yet when it grows It is the largest of the garden plants And becomes a tree So that the birds come and perch in its branches. What a great analogy, um, and uh, a place for others to benefit—not just the seed producing for itself, but birds coming. And um, and so God loves to work this way. This is how He does things. You know, He could do. He could just send angels to do all the work. We, we, we could just have churches popping up all over the world people just rock up and the angels do all the ministry and you just sort of come and watch the show and and God could produce things already finished just big just all done for you but that's never how he works is it he always starts with something little just a, a thought or an idea and a dream and a group of people and then he we, we catch something from him and then we walk it out. We walk by faith and we go on this journey and it can be challenging and you work hard and press in. But then you see things grow and build over time. And so uh, you get ministries starting small and then growing and influencing over time, developing. You get uh, churches starting with just a few people and then they grow and build together and they get a vision of maybe having a facility for the future and a, and a permanent place of worship. And so they have a dream and then they save their money and then they give and get a deposit like we've done and then you get the property and then you have gotta develop it and you, and you walk out this vision for God's glory and for the future generations of people to worship in. And so we've seen that just in our generation and, and, uh, and that takes some time to develop. Uh, you get um, in marriage you get two people they fall in love but that's not the end of it they dream of a family and then you fast forward some decades later and there they are you know like the Cherkovs and and, and the Akhapovs and, and others around here who you know not just grandke- grandparents but great grandparents and they've seen this heritage and this legacy that they're building growing up around them. And so this is how God works. This is These are kingdom principles at play in different parts of life. And so you shouldn't worry when things are small, when things aren't as big and finished and completed and successful as we'd like, when there's challenges and it's like, ah, oh, this hasn't worked out. Well, maybe it hasn't worked out yet. Maybe the seed's just still growing. Maybe the little you know, mustard trees this big. you know, But it's not the end, it's just the beginning. And God says a lot about that. And it happens throughout history and, in fact, in Bible history. This is exactly what happened to the Jewish people when they came back to Jerusalem after their captivity and they had a vision to rebuild the temple. And uh, it was a huge task. Uh, and uh, there's a few different books that, you know, tell us about it. They faced a lot of opposition, excuse me. They were really discouraged, tempted to give up, but God sent them prophets, one of them, Zechariah. And we have his book written with his prophecies in them and what he spoke to the people from God as an encouragement. And uh, famously... Zechariah 4 verse 10 records his words to Zerubbabel, the team leader of the deal, and the people that were involved. And look at Zechariah 4 verse 10. It says, Do not, or who dares, do not despise these small beginnings or the day of small things. Some translations say, Yeah, do, do not, or who dares, despise the day of small things or small beginnings. Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. And uh, other versions say um, the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. In other words, Zerubbabel, the guy, the master builder, with just the beginning of the work, the plumb line to set out how we're going to get the stones right. Well, that's just the beginning. It's not the end, but God loves it. It says He rejoices to see that. He's excited about the beginning. He's not sort of thinking, oh, what's wrong with you? It's not finished. Get it done. Or let me help you. Let's get this over and done with. No, no. God's happy. What do they say? Enjoy the journey. And and that's sometimes a little challenging phrase when it's basically life really sucks at the moment then enjoy the journey you feel like hitting someone oh enjoy the journey you know but it's true there are ups and downs but the journey is better than just having it all done easily quickly neatly and so even there are challenges along the way and so we shouldn't worry about the small beginnings don't despise them as it says and uh, and God's happy to see this seed start this harvest growing and building building as people get involved because let me say this you will need people you'll never see anyone successful without other people around them even you know we saw this fascinating documentary about um, Richard Branson Uh, you know and he's just an entrepreneurial genius and and I built all these different businesses and uh and yet along the way, there's key people that they're interviewing. He's the star of the show. He's the main guy. He's the one often with the original dream. But he needed other people to help him put it into fruition. And, uh, and, and that's, that's, that's true of everything. Um, you're going to need people. Uh, and often those people are, are the, the right people. Maybe it's not just expertise in a technical area. Sometimes it's just encouragement. It's just the people that will say, hang in there. I believe in you. That's exactly what happened to, you mean, Anton Chekhov. Theater goers, theater lovers, you'll know the name Anton Chekhov. He was um, one of Russia's many playwrights and and authors and considered, wrote short stories and plays, considered one of the greatest writers of all time. Uh, But he didn't get that status overnight. And in fact, he didn't nearly get that status at all. Because he nearly did despise the day of small beginnings, he had he had a very challenging time. Um, on the seventeenth of October, eighteen ninety-six, to be precise, it was the premiere of his play called *The Seagull* in the Alexandrinsky Theatre, which I used to drive past on the way to work uh, in St. Petersburg. In Russia and it's still there today, this theatre being restored nicely Uh, But the opening night was a complete disaster The audience booed, they didn't get it They booed so much it intimidated the lead actress so much she lost her voice And she was considered the best actor in Russia at the time And had moved people to tears in rehearsals through her portrayal of Nina I think it was the main character um, But the opening night was a complete flop and Chekhov hid backstage for the last two acts of the play. He was so demoralised that the next day he announced to a friend he would never write another play again. And that's how it could have ended. But the production went ahead. His friends and supporters got around him. They encouraged him. They said, actually, the performances are going well. He at first thought they were just being kind but then he realised actually they're right. Um, It was clear the play was being well received and people appreciated how good it really was. In fact, one of his friends, the playwright Vladimir Danchenko, he won the Russian, the coveted award at the time, the Russian award for the best play of the year. And Danchenko said, no, it should have been Chekhov for the Seagull. And so that kind of encouragement meant Chekhov kept going. And so because of all that, he kept writing, The Seagull went on to become just the first of many masterpieces that he, that he wrote. And more than a century later, it's still being performed all over the world. In fact, this year in November, you could go and watch the Sydney Theatre Company perform The Seagull. Isn't that amazing? All this time later. What a classic example of a seed that could have just been buried. Could have been, you know failure to launch, so to speak, failure to germinate. And, and yet with the right inv- in environment, in that case, encouragement of people, off he went, onwards and upwards, ends up growing and being fruitful. And history's full of these kind of examples. You, when you read the Bible, look, you come across Joseph. He's got this dream. He's a young, crazy kid. He's about 17. And he dreams of being a great leader. His brothers don't like it. Nearly kill him, throw him into slavery. 13 years of terrible times and then finally he sees the dream fulfilled David another young whippersnapper rocks up what's the big kerfuffle the whole army was trembling because of Goliath coming out every day and saying give me your best bring it on the toughest guys in the Israeli army weak at the knee saying what about you And, and David shows up and says what's the problem give me a go I don't even want the king's armor. Forget that. I got a slingshot. They're like, you're in, you, you, you're gonna die. You're crazy. And he stands. He doesn't even just have a go. He spurns the enemy on, stirs up God, and proclaims and prophesies, "You're gonna die today. I'm gonna knock you. I'm gonna cut your head off, and we're gonna have victory." And and he does. And they. Turn the whole war against the Philistines and all because of one little guy one like little kind of pipsqueak seed kind of deal and then what about the mixed bag of characters that make up the disciples you watch the chosen series it's like how, why God you know like you don't even have to watch the chosen series you see it enough in scripture Peter being the most animated example of like well I wouldn't choose him Jesus you know this guy's an emotional wreck He's, he's, but what he's got all, he should have all the letters after his name, you know. He's bipolar, he's this and that, he's emotionally fragile. What kind of meds is he on? He's not the right guy. Go- Surely you get someone stable, like, you know, Judas, he seems pretty good, you know. Yeah. Focused on the finances, he's, you know, he's. Yeah. So we, it just goes to show God has his way, doesn't he? We don't get it right when we try to figure it all out sometimes you just go with the flow and God uses all kinds of people and so this ratbag bunch of guys of all different backgrounds they hang around with Jesus three years, then he's gone, they are lost at sea. And yet somehow over time, they end up changing the world, being used to plant churches, preach the gospel, to heal the sick all over the Roman empire and beyond. And they go out in a blaze of glory as martyrs, most of them, almost all of them, all of them except John. And uh, and so you can keep going on through the Bible uh, and throughout history. Let me just say uh, two, two more important things. It's Number one, it's not just young people that need to and can dream of things that will really grow and influence the future and impact people and bless people and give God glory. Because, you know, there's there's little dreams that can land into any heart. You know, the young at heart. We don't have to just give up and plateau off. And I'm approaching a significant age in the next couple of months and it's not 50 it's 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 the next significant one you know but at the moment i can just say i'm in my my mid to late 50s sounds all right People say, hell mid to late 50s i want everyone to ask me how old i am in the next two months and then stop on march the 18th asking me how old i am for the next you know because so you know after a while you realize oh yeah you could easily just plateau off you just think oh it's just the downhill run you know but but no, you look at, again, in history, Colonel Sanders, you probably know this, he started KFC when he was 65 years old. Paul Cezanne was 56. Cezanne, I should pronounce it as best I can, but certainly Edgar will fix my pronunciation. A famous French impressionist painter you hopefully have heard of. It. Anyway, Paul Cezanne, 56 before he had his first exhibition. Isn't that amazing? Peter. Although he's English, I don't know, his name sounds French, is it Roger, the thesaurus? Roger? He invented the thesaurus at the age of 73. Nelson Mandela wasn't president of South Africa until he was 75, and what a life he had had to go through to get there. He could easily have got out of jail and said, well, that's enough. I'm just going to find a beach somewhere. Yuichi Muria, household name, you know him. He climbed Everest a few years ago Just after he turned 80 Little Japanese guy And again, you can find many other people who Look, the thing is, if you're older You might think, oh, hang on if I, if I start something If I've got a dream and I sow a seed And I start building and planting something I might not get to see it to fruition Like that word? See what I did there? Fruition, fruit It's in there And so, well, that's fine Because it's good to have something that goes beyond your current experience in life. We should have a vision that outlives us. We should be involved in something that's bigger than just our life. And that's something that might go beyond our, you read the list of heroes uh, of the faith in the book of Hebrews. And and right at the end, it says none of them saw the fulfillment of what was promised. But they still saw it. So in a sense, you kind of do get to see it. You just see it by faith you might not get to see it physically and experience it but that's okay because you know that that family tradition that you started changes the culture of your family and your family's future and future descendants that that christian belief that you might have been a first generation christian couple and you and you and you build that family ethos of being followers of Jesus and church people and God's servants and and the kids grow from that and you hear people like Bill Johnson I think what is he like fifth generation minister and uh and he'll say you know it's it's not just it all happened for me in my life is that I'm learning from my father and I grew up hearing my grandfather preaching and telling stories and and hearing about what God had done in the past and that, and so that grows and builds and you could be the part or the start of that there might be a business that grows from scratch in your life and then it ends up having a big impact on the community in in, in the in, in a sort of a a positive way not just making money but the financial benefit flows through to God's work you you know generous and and are God fearing Jesus following kids and grandkids are g- carrying on with that kind of work and again ministry might start with one generation but build and grow into the next generation so it's never too you're never too young and never too old and finally let me say this notice that phrase in the book of Genesis seed time and harvest Time is the bit we don't like sometimes. God, I'm planting a seed and I'm coming out the next day and I want the harvest. Well, it doesn't work like that, does it? There is time. There's got to be time. It takes time. And that is so true with finances. You know, you might have seen, um, you might have heard anyway of Bernie Madoff, but certainly there's a documentary series that's come out recently about him. And uh, the biggest Ponzi scheme in the history of Ponzi schemes of you know financial craziness, and uh, and people fell for it because of greed for short-term gain. Because when he was offering eighteen percent guaranteed every year annual increase or whatever the figure was, and everyone else was offering like eight percent, people were just too tempted. The really smart ones say, if it sounds too good to be true probably is it's just not true it's just I'm going with the 8% because there's something going on there and people started to ask questions something fishy about that how come it's so high and there's got to be something going on and people were earning the money seemingly earning the money at least on paper thought oh, I don't want to know No, I just want the return I want the return they want the fast return and, and so the, the financial. and of course it all fell apart that's you know the whole deal about a Ponzi scheme so you know, financial experts will say avoid get rich quick schemes and instead go for get-rich-slow schemes. <laughs> In other words, just using compound interest, saving little by little, seeds planted, whether it's tithing, giving, investing, saving, like I said, building up to you know the dream of buying a house, oh, it's so expensive, so beyond us. Yes, today it is, but you start somewhere and it builds and builds and over time, things can be achieved and you can and have you know, financial security for your family. And so that's just the financial aspect. I mean, I, I went to school with a guy who was not the most likely to succeed. You know, there's those guys, you know, there's those people you think, oh, that, well, look at him, he's charming, He's the girls love him, he's good looking, he's talented, make you you know, he's going to be a success, you know. And I went to school with some guys like that, genius. The ducks of our school went on design all kinds of stuff for solar energy, became a PhD brainiac, you know, and and good on him, but this guy I'm thinking of, he was just a plotter, got a job, worked in the same job his whole life, but along the way, instead of renting, he got a few guys together, and he got them to rent while he bought the unit, and they helped pay the mortgage, and then he moved to another part of Australia, didn't sell that one, did it again, had some other mates he lived with, they all pay rent, everyone's just paying rent, yeah, sure, well, he got the loan organised, bought the house, they paid the rent, then he got married, bought his own home, da, 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 He's just about sixty. He just turned sixty, yeah. And he uh, he's a multi-millionaire, just properties all over Australia, little by little, a little, little, you know. And so, but it took a long time—forty plus years—and just plodding away. And so, again, just a, an example of how that that principle works. So today, I want to encourage you: get in God's will, in God's word. It's got to be God's ways, not just yeah yeah i've heard people preach all kinds of stuff about dreams and you can come up with your own dream sure but you'll miss the mark you'll miss god's best if it's not centered in god for his glory and you can make a lot of money oh yeah you can do it you can use these principles dreaming and planning and envisioning and setting goals and all that but what does it profit a man you know earn the whole world and lose your soul you want to do it with god for god's glory and so we press into god in his presence Let him speak to us in his word with his will leading us and then see what does that dream look like? What what can you envision down the track rather than just going through same old, same old, same old. You know, the beginning of this year, what about this time next year? How will things be different and better and more fruitful because of the seeds that I'm sowing today and how I'm watering them and what I'm doing about that dream that God's giving me? Amen? Praise him. Come on. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Well, we thank you for potential, like seeds that carry so much potential, so insignificant, so small, but packing a punch of potential for future growth. And that's in our heart. That's in your heart. That's in your will for us, Lord God. You said you, we're created uh, for your glory. You, your word says that uh, we are your masterpiece created in christ to do good works which you've prepared in advance for us you've said you want us to live a fruitful life you've commanded us to be fruitful you've said if we abide in you and you abide in us we will bear much fruit lord we thank you for these principles that play in our lives and we submit and commit our lives to you that you would speak to us for our future our family our careers all different areas what are you saying? What are you planting? How can we water that? How can we see it grow and produce a harvest? I pray you'd help us all think through these things in your presence. Touch every life. And if you're watching online or if you're here today, most important decision you'll make, it's not about your career, not about your finances. It's about your relationship with God himself. That's why Jesus came to earth. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because Jesus came to make a way open for us that when we die, we would go to heaven. And even before that, we will walk with God in relationship with Him. And that happens simply by accepting what Jesus has done for us on the cross, simply by praying a prayer of faith and commitment to Him. And so I want to encourage you, whether you're here at 101, whether you're watching online, give your life to Christ like He gave His life to you. Just pray a simple prayer of surrender. Lord Jesus, thank you. You gave your life and so I give you my life. I I pray you would forgive me for all my sin, my mistakes and I thank you that you've offered that to me. Welcome me into your family. Come and live in my heart by the power of the Holy Spirit and show me how to live for you. If you pray that prayer, talk to us here at 101 or contact us if you're watching online. We'll get you a Bible and talk more about how you can follow Jesus. It's the best way to live. Amen.